Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show sponsored by 888 Sport. This is your Cheltenham preview ahead of the International on Saturday. Stay tuned to hear which horse both Andy Holding and Rory Delaghi agree is the value play for the International Hurdle. I actually put this also, but if you remember the other week to, to chase on Buzz and if it wasn't for that uh, pesky um, song for someone, um, <laughs> then um, he, he would have done so. We look at Doncaster, where Rory Delaghi tips up a horse at 28 to 1. Given he was an, you know, an 85 horse on the flat, um, he, should, he certainly should be competitive here. And we speak to 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty, Andy and Rory Delaghi on Constitution Hill, the supreme novice chance tipped up last week by Barry Geraghty. You hope to see him win anyway. It was a start, but performance like that was, was brilliant. So on this podcast and video, we're going to be going through the card on Cheltenham on Saturday. We're recording this uh, mid-afternoon, 4.20. It's the evening, given the time of year, on, on Thursday. Uh, so we're not going to do Friday because it would, it would just date too quickly. But we've got prices out for all seven races on the day on Saturday. And we'll be going through those. So do download the Odds Checker app now so you can get the best prices. We'll be talking through the best bookie offers, place terms, free bets, and of course, the best tipsters, including Andy's tips, straight to the app every morning of racing. Uh, we're going to start then with the 12.05, the JCB Triumph Trial Juvenile juvenile Hurdle, where York C is the 11 to 4 favourite, head of Patient Dream at 11 to 2. Uh, message Personnel 11 to 2, in turn to Civila 6 to 1, alongside uh, Titian 8 to 1 bar. Andy, this is up your street, I would say. How do you see this at the, uh, the early stage? Right up my alley, um, <laughs> as they say. Um, yeah, I, I do like the juveniles and, and the novices based on their obviously their time figures. It gives me a reasonably good guide of um, what's gone on before and, and potentially what could be expected. Um, all I can say at the moment is that the, ju- the juveniles are a right rabble of a bunch. Um, there's only probably one or two sticking their head above the parapet and running the kind of number that even remotely thinks that makes me think that they're anywhere near Triumph Hurdle standard. Um, mm. And that doesn't actually include the Triumph Hurdle favourite itself, Phil Dora, who's also right down on the pecking order with regards uh, pure numbers. The fastest horse, funny enough, uh, so far has been Skycutter twice. Um, he's, he's posted two really good numbers um, uh, when he won first time out at Weatherby and, and then when he um, won the other day, albeit narrowly at um, Musselburgh. He can really let rip that horse. So I'd suggest that the one with the best form coming into this race is Patient Dream. Um, I'm, I'm not overly keen on that night salute race uh, here at uh, Cheltenham at the previous meeting. Uh, they all finished in a bit of a heap, and the thing of Ian Williams has got beat. Actually, as we recorded um, on Thursday, he got beat on Thursday afternoon in a modest race at Warwick. So I'm not sure that form amounts to a great deal. But I thought Patient Junior ran really well. He he stayed on um, pretty eye catching from the back. Um, no match to the win, of course, but um, in light of what the win has done since and the time figure that weather race, um, if he wasn't but the fact that he's trying to buy another green wall, no, no disrespect to him. I think if he was, like, say, with a, a, a skeleton or a Nichols, then he, he would probably deserve to be favourite off the back of that. Mm. But whether either of those two aforementioned horses are going to be good enough to contain the top one here, message personnel, is very much open to question. Um, Dan introduced a really nice juvenile that won at Warwick about three or four weeks ago uh, that won very easily, was well found in the market. Um, I actually think it w- could have been one of Alex... Um, John Hales is, I, I, 
I, I, forgive me if I, if I can't quite remember the colours, but I do remember it winning quite impressively. Um, but this message personnel is said to be very good. Um, I, I don't know someone in the yard that um, gives me the odd nugget here then everywhere. He said he hasn't spoke to Dan for a little while, but off, when, he, when he did speak to him about the horse, when, when he acquired it, he said he was very good. Um, and he made a, a, a nice... Um, Oh, he turned in a nice performance when when last seen as well. It's been back in July, but he really impressive that day. I think the favourite um, fell at the last second last. And he, he was he was left in in the lead, but he, he powered his way to the line. I really like him. He's got loads of size, size and scope about him. Um, he looks a proper good three year old. He even looks a four year old now. Just looking at the size of him. Um, so yeah, I, I think he'll take quite a bit of beating if he adapts to the uh, English style of running. Um, because like I say, I don't think these are a great brunch with patient dreaming the best of them. Message personnel there, 11 to 2 best price at the moment, but a sea of blue. Yeah, um, I think I think he'll go a favourite myself. Opened up 6 to 1, um, but that is obviously going. Uh, Andy says we'll go off favourite in some drift there for York Sea currently, 11 to 4. Rory? Uh, I can't say I like this at all. Um, I'm less keen on these races than than, than Andy is, um, generally speaking. And I think there are lots of potentially mixed messages here uh, in this and the um, uh, the summit at um, at Doncaster as well. Um, races I'm I'm wary of getting involved in. I take Andy's point about you know you, you'd normally start with Yorkshire here as the obvious one, having finished um, third in Grade Two here last time out. But these graded races um, come early enough in the season. Uh, for the juveniles and they can end up being misleading form. Um, Yorksy seemed to ship very well uh, running on into third there but he wouldn't have been close to the best of these on the flat and as Andy said that form is is um, didn't take a boost um, earlier on and you just have slight concerns about it. I'd be keen on patient dream if Ollie Greenall was in, was in slightly better form. Um, he's, he's an up-and-coming trainer Ollie but his, his strike rate despite the fact that he's got a you know he's got plenty of um, of horses in the yard he seems to have a good eye for a juvenile hurdler as well but the strike rate's pretty moderate um, in the last month um, and overall this season he's just running at an 8% strike rate. Um, when there are question marks about the depth of the form in these races, you want to at least know you're, you're, you're back in a yard in, in top form. Um, so yeah, I, I, wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be in a hurry to, um, uh, to, to be against message personnel, but I, I don't know enough about him and it's not always that easy to, to work out how, um, how French form is going to translate here. Um, I don't get the... Um, I don't get the info that Andy does from the yard, which sounds like it's very useful. And I think with that in mind, I think it's probably a, a good bit of advice to, to back this with a view to what price he's going to go off at. But from my point of view, um, that's very much third hand information for me. And I'd have to <laughs> I'd have to leave this well alone, quite frankly. All right, we'll stick with you then for the 1240. Um, the novice chase just for a run here. My Drogo is the two to five favourite. JBY, four to one. Torn and Frayed, eight to one. Captain Cuckoo, 66 to 1. Uh, not much of a betting heat, it has no. to be said. Um, my Drogo. Possibly past times two so far for Yuri there. Yeah, um, My Drogo is, is clearly a, a, a really high class chaser in the making, and his jumping was was pretty good on the whole here um, last time until that uh, infamous incident at the second last fence. Um, he's on the on the new course now. It's a, it's a lot easier dealing with the fences in the home straight on the new course than it is on the old course. Um, he should be too good for these, quite frankly. Um, but do you want to back a horse at two to five um, who hasn't completed his only start over fences? Um, I don't want to back against him because I think he is, you know, potentially very, very high class chaser. Um, but sadly, um, on, on what's started off as a disappointing card, uh, mm. I'm, I'm 
Zero for two, really. Well, we're, <laughs> we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Andy, can you make anything of this? Again, I'd love to be able to come up with, with, with something um, different to say, really. Um, they, these novice chases, I think, in general, at, at Cheltenham, it's no fault of the tracks because, look, you know, they put the prize money on and it gives the participants a chance to get a feel for what's to be expected further down the line. Um, it's the trainers, really, for, fault for not entering. I, I, we always seem to get these small feels when we're dealing with uh, novice chases, e- even the graded races. I can't remember the last novice chase at Cheltenham, I don't know about you, Roy, that had eight, eight runners or more. Yeah. Um, it's an absolute scandal, really. And it, I, th- I think it, it definitely needs looking into. Um, I mean, where, 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 are all, where are all the novices here? It's beautiful ground. You know, it's... Um, it's a head you like scratcher. I think the answer is at Doncaster, but it's not either, is it? No, no. It, it just seems to be a real problem in in the national hunt game, uh, go, you know, going forward. Um, I mean, the you know the two opponents against Maldro go handy enough, you know, uh, JBY and, and Torn and Frey, but they shouldn't necessarily be in the class of Maldrogo, who would have won here last time out. Uh, it was a shame what happened to him. He just caught caught the top, and that second last um, gobbled up another victim. Um, definitely won't be the last either. It's all about recovery mission here, really. The last thing they want to do is go deck him again. The other two jockeys will probably obviously try and put him under pressure. And, you know, Sam Twiston Davis will go off the front on Tom and Tom Fred. I think he'll be better suited to going left handed. He's no mug. Um, you wouldn't expect him to have the um, the quality of my dragger at the, at the at the death. So if Harry can, can get him round today, or sorry, Saturday, then it'll be the con- confidence booster that he needs. And, you know, he'll be back on track for whatever. Cheltenham Festival uh, race they um, they have in mind later on in the year, but um, yeah, like I said before, it's, it's just a, a non-betting race, unfortunately. Yeah, worth bearing in mind also that Chantry House was turned over at odds on in this race last year before showing himself to be arguably the best of the of the British novice chasers at the trip. And we've had uh, the Kelvin Hughes will hope they have better luck than they had a few years ago when they had a horse called Different Gravy in here, who was an odds on yes. favourite, mm-hmm. who a lot of people Henderson, thought was heading yeah. right to the top, and uh, Different Gravy. Um, uh, burst on the scene looking an absolute monster uh, the previous season and then um, sadly disappeared almost as quickly. Different gravy proving to be anything but, sadly. Um, in the, the 115, then we'll move on. Surely here, Rory, we're going to come to you first and we can go go one for three um, in, the, <laughs> in the Simon Clay's handicap chase uh, where Editor de Giet is the 11-4 to four favourite ahead of Amula Gold at 7-2. to two. Uh, Frero Bamboo, 6-1. to one. Notre Paris, 13-2 to two with Cheddleton. Von Doren, 10 to 1, Torpedo, 10 to 1, and Moonlighter, 11 to 1. This is a lot more like it, um, yes. thankfully. Um, I'm pretty keen on the chances of Frero Bamboo here, um, who's a, a young chaser of Venetia Williams's. Venetia's got her chasers in, in very good heart at the moment. Um, she had a double at Lingfield the other day. A lot is made about the grind with Venetia's horses, but essentially, they tend to hit form at a particular time of the year. At that time of the year, we tend to see a lot of heavy grind, but it's not it's not necessarily bad grind related. Uh, and part of the reason why Venetia's chasers do very well, um, I, I need to make this point, is Charlie Deutsch, who's mm. a, a very, very good jockey, um, particularly mm. over fences, and particularly over a trip as well, which is not really an issue in this race. But um, he was seen to very good effect at Lingfield the other day. He's a real thinking jockey, um, which is a rarity these days. Um, Frere Bamboo, um, he was well enough beaten in his reappearance, but we expect Venetia's horses to, to come um, to come out after a break ready to go. But her horses weren't really ready in October um, and he stepped up on that, went third at Newbury last time out. 
uh, behind Il Ridotto. Now he had very little chance against the winner that day. Don't worry about the fact that that form hasn't didn't seem to work out. I think Il Ridotto just found the um, the Henry VIII coming too soon for him last week. He was nowhere near the form uh, that he showed in Newbury. He looked flat from an early stage, uh, and that was a gamble that just didn't pay off. The form of the race is solid enough. Uh, Ferro Van Boer, as a six-year-old, is going to improve again. He's a pound higher than that, but that's a solid race in terms of the collateral form and the time of the race as well, uh, the time figure. And I think he's going to go forward. A few of these have reached their peak already. Um, Bondoran's a decent old stick, but he's a 10-year-old now, not getting any better. Um, Moonlighter's hard to catch right, and his jumping's not good enough uh, for you to ever trust him. Eder de Dejit has got a decent enough record at the moment. I, I just thought a seven-pound rise for winning here narrowly last time, uh, especially with stolen silver. Um, uh, struggling to back that form up next time suggests he's a little bit high in the weights. Uh, and Amulu Gold is really an Ascot specialist. I'd, I'd respect Chettleton. He would be the danger for me. But I think Ferro Bamboo is, is weighted to win. And uh, it's a fair price as well. I thought he'd be shorter. Pair of bamboo, six to one, and it's early stage. Only a few firms out. Uh, Andy, do you see it the same way? I thought for one minute there, Roy wasn't going to mention the one I, I fancied. Um, Cheddleton. Until he, he snuck it in right at the end as his, as his <laughs> next best. Uh, rather craftily, um, just um, shoehorned it in there. But yeah, I, I do like Cheddle. I do like Cheddleton as a horse. He he took part in some very good novice hurdles last season. Um, by and large, sorry, novice chases last season by and large. Off, off the back of a good season as a, as a novice hurdler, um, it just looked as though he really badly needed it. The market almost told a story the day, didn't it? At Carlisle and his comeback behind Warlord, I actually thought he was going to defy his, his weakness by uh, winning two out when he loomed up, looking as though he was going to do some damage. But then he just didn't quite see it out on the running, and I wouldn't say he faded. He still kept on. He only got beat two lengths, but that was a really well-run um, uh, contest. Uh, up there at at, um, at the Cumbrian track, and um, the form has, has, has stood the test subsequently. So I think with with a run under his belt, he could be quite dangerous in a race of this nature. Um, the yard could do with they could do with a, the odd win or two. I think they've had lots of horses that've been running okay, but you know, Roy Roy mentioned, um, of course, uh, sorry, uh, trainer form early on with Oliver Greenall. He'd won a little bit more. Um, positivity from that stable uh, to get, have a, a right chunky bet but I think at the prices he's probably worth the risk because they're going to go a good gallop here and that's what he wants um, not sure Parry par the one down the bottom as well Only Murphy's horse he's another strong traveller he ran well also at Carlisle last time out looking as though he needed the run when looking the most likely winner so those two are very uh, persuasive looking horses at the prices um, sort of from an, from an each way perspective but I think the one with the most quality or proven quality so far is Chaddleton. Chaddleton, the one then for Andy. Uh, the one with the most proven quality at 13 to 2 could do an Andy Rory reverse forecast there. Um, two horses to take on, uh, well, to take with you against the field. Uh, on to now, uh, with the 150, which is the Racing Post Gold Cup. But before we get on to this, as ever, I was lucky enough to have a chat. We'll sit down and have a chat over over Skype at least, um, with 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Garrity to get his thoughts on the weekend's racing. I'm delighted as ever to have 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Garrity joining me today. And Barry, we're going to look ahead at a few of the races at Cheltenham on Saturday that we've already covered with the guys, getting your thought on them as well. But first, we have to look back at last weekend. And I'm not even going to give you the option, Barry, of telling us which horse we're going to talk about. Because those who are watching or listening last week hopefully heard you 
talk about an unraced Nicky Henderson horse called Constitution Hill, 40 to 1 at the time of recording for the Supreme Novice Hurdle, 4 to 1 now. What a performance! It was brilliant, yeah. Um, so we had him here, we had him here since he was a foal, and myself and Warren Ewing owned him, and he went in, he was second at a point of mind last spring. Uh, Michael Buckley bought him off his foot. You hope to see a you hope to see him win anyway. It was a start, but the performance like that was was brilliant. And we we held him in high regard um, during his point of mind season. But the the reports had been very good from Seven Barras. So it was uh, as he went to the lane 15, 14 clear of what was thought to be a smart horse was was exciting to watch. Yeah, it absolutely was. I mean, did you have any yeah, I saw the the wry smile on your face when you gave Constitution Hill a, a mention. Did you have any inkling quite how good he is? And it's interesting to note because, you know, the, the Nicky Henderson Yard have John Bon as well, who's currently just about favourite ahead. So they might have quite a decent idea of, of which of the two is is the stronger. Um, well, Nicky, I spoke to Nicky a good bit. Now, as I say, his, his work before we sold him was very good. Um, but I'd spoke to Nicky a good bit and he was getting a bit more excited about him, which... Nicky wouldn't get excited unless he had good reason. Um, I was getting a good word from Jerry McGrath and Nico as well. So it was all sounding good, but you need to see it happen. Um, and thankfully it did. And he, he looks like a really exciting one for, for the future. Yeah, I'm going to ask Andy Holding for his opinion on him after we chat as well, because that Mai Tai, the horse that he beats, made, the horse he made look very, very average, I know is one of Andy's top ones on the speed figures as well so I'm sure we'll find out a little bit on what he did on the clock. Uh, looking ahead of this weekend though Barry, um, looking at Cheltenham especially, uh, where are you looking, you know let's start with the 150 the Racing Post Gold Cup where Layla is the 9-2 favourite who do you think looks interesting here? Well it's a good race again as as, as it should be um, and obviously the, the Paddy Power form especially with Protect the Rat finishing second and the Muddy, but he would not do an entry and is now a Gold Cup contender and I think a worthy contender at his age. Um, so that it all revolves in that form really for me. Um, obviously, Midnight Shadow was a good winner. I thought he travelled really well, got left alone then when, when um, Cool Cody fell at the second last mm. and he didn't do an awful lot in front. He was a long way clear of the remainder jump at the last, but he pulled up in front he got a seven-pound penalty for that. I think he can defy it. And um, he was second in this race last year on soft ground. Um, for me, he would be the one. Laylar's favourite, but if you stop the race anywhere between the second last and the last, Midnight Shadow has Laylar. He's done dust and fill. They're all on the stretch. So to me, he he has a class edge on the field. I feel. Um, now it is a different course. It's on the new course, which is more ele- element, more emphasis on stamina than speed. Um, cool Cody wasn't beaten when he fell either. Um, but for me, Midnight Shadow, I think he and I think he's possibly value, is he? Yeah, he's nine to one currently at the moment. Midnight Shadow, yeah. So, yeah, you, you, you the ones at the head of the market, I finished behind them last time. Um, Layla's gone up two pounds, so he's only five pounds better off with Midnight Shadow. And Dustin Phil has gone up a pound. I think Dustin Phil has a potential, um, having run well over two miles at the entry festival. I was surprised to see him struggle as much as he did. For pace through the race, so he could improve, um, and if he was to improve, he could be the one. But on the book, I think Midnight Shadow is is rock solid for me. Midnight Shadow for you there. Plenty of other cracking racing on the card as well. Where else are you, are you interested? Yeah, so Cheltenham as well. Obviously, the 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 international hurdle is there. Song for someone. 
Um, Scurial, it's Scurial's fourth run in eight weeks, and I think whatever rain falls between now and then won't help him. Um, he's a very consistent performer, but like that, this is the new course. Emphasis on stamina. I think that's going to suit sound for someone better than uh, Scurial. Uh, of the others that are there, you've uh, Garja Dream, who was two and a half lengths behind um, sound for someone in, in Ascot, behind um, Buzz. Good run, but I would say he's probably a horse once two and a half and even further. So for me, sound for someone uh, won the race last year. I think he'd be the one to be on. Song for someone there. Uh, yeah, nine to four best price as it stands. You mentioned you like the look at the, the Abbott Bartlett and other saddle as well. Yeah, it's a good clash. I like Blazing Cal. I think he's a very smart horse. Um, I know Charles Burns holds him in high regard and he's a, he's a shrewd operator. Um, but I thought on the same token, Jelino Bello, who's five pound better off. I know he was well fancied going into that race um, and looks like a big improving type. So I think the five pound penalty might just swing it back in his favour. Um, you have the Irish horses making a second trip to England in the space of four weeks so it's it's not ideal so i'd be i'd just slightly be siding with the paul nichols contender here yeah Jelino bello seven to four at the moment blazing cal 11 to eight in those ones as i say we'll be talking through these ones with the guys after this chat with barry and then a couple of races we're going to touch on as well over at doncast have you managed to have a look at these uh, the two grade twos yeah, obviously the novice chase has caught up a little bit. Uh, three under two five mm. has been very impressive. He shaped last year like a horse who will enjoy a fence and he's taken well to it. Um, he was a good winner in Cheltenham. It's hard to get away from him. He, he looks rock solid and it's not as strong a race you would hope for. Um, the juvenile herd, on the other hand, looks very competitive. Um, Porcello, Porticello is a horse I was really impressed with in Doncaster. His jumping was a little bit hit and miss, but I think he'll improve a lot for the experience. Um, he's a horse who stays well. I think he's a real triumph hurdle type. And Doncaster probably won't play to his strengths, but I think there's, you know, he's a winner in Weatherby, which would be a similar type of track. Um, but I think his jumping can be a lot smarter. He's got a lot of scope, but he was a little bit brave at one or two. Didn't have, have massive regard for some hurdles on the back. So I think he'd be better for the for the experience. But uh, Knight Salute, very impressive last time. He had a Magistrato behind him. He had Impulse 1 behind him before that in Kempton. And too friendly was impressive in Newcastle. So I think it's a very good, strong race. But um, if you're to ask me to pick a horse out of it for the season, I'd go Porticello. Porticello, the one there for Barry. Uh, Barry, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us as ever on the Odds Checker Betting Show. Keep giving us more um, 40 to 1 supreme chances and we'll keep inviting you back. Cheers, George. Thank you. 888 Sport Ambassador there, Barry Geraghty. And before we do look at this uh, Racing Post Gold Cup at Cheltenham, Andy, I'm going to come to you here on Constitution Hill. You know, we heard Barry there mention him right at the end of his segment last week with a little crafty smile. He took on Mai Tai, a horse that you have a lot of time for, and <laughs> yeah. the results were, were, were pretty impressive. Well, I'm always a man for um, solid form in the book rather than genuine tips and whispers but when it comes from a great man like Barry Garrett I think we need to uh, certainly I do pay more attention as if he was ever going to be wrong having <laughs> handled is if you know having handled this also had something to do with his early part of his career and boy oh boy um, did he impress in every way shape or form at uh, at the Isha track um, obviously I'm a numbers man so horses can look impressive and then you go away and do the figures and you think yeah he, he, he looked good but he didn't do anything but this fellow was the absolute polar opposite um, he's clocked the fastest um, uh, time we've recorded from any 
Uh, novice hurdler either side of the Irish Sea, over two miles so far this season. And he did it in the manner of a very good horse. I mean, he quickened away, didn't he, from the last? And he made mm. Mai Tai, who I really regard and so do a lot of people, he made him look very second rate. And so that took a lot of doing. I think connections of Mai Tai had the Tolworth hurdle uh, firmly in their sides, taking him to Sandown, you know, wanting soft ground, almost like doing a Metier, um, the, the, you know, the previous year. And, um, you know, that they came away having that blown to smithereens by a horse who, the sky's the limit, really. Um, he's quoted at four to one. You could look at that and sniff at that and think, oh, God, that, 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 that doesn't look great this part of the season, given that Willie Mullins has got to, um, you know, bring out his large battalions and I'm sure there's one or two Henry de Bromhead horses floating around. But I think this all sets the right standard at the moment. Um, and he, he looks extra special. So, well done to Barry. Great pick. Hopefully one or two you got on. I'm sure you did, George. <laughs> uh, you're probably going to anti-post uh, uh, docket, burning a hole in your pocket, literally in your pocket. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're you're in a you're in a really good position. I might be, I might be. I mean, I, I don't feel too bad about it, given that we you know we posted it to the nation. I even said, I said when he said it, that could be a bit of an Easter egg, and I think it could be a bit of an Easter golden egg come next Easter if it if it continues. I mean, Roy, what did you make of, of Constitution Hill there? You know, four to one favourite now behind stable mate John Bond at threes. I prefer him to John Bond at this stage. Uh, I'm not a big fan of punting in the Supreme at this stage of the year, but. Um, yeah, he, there's more solidity to his form than um, than John Bond's um, to me, even though he's come from left field. Uh, I was particularly impressed. If, if you if you stop that race um, coming to the second last hurdle, mm. there's three of them still going pretty well there, and and they're you know he's third of the three uh, travelling okay. The the other two seem to have a a, a little bit left. Um, the horse who who uh, weakened out of it after leading was still on their coattails, but you thought you're in for a decent finish then. For him to have won that by 14 lengths and 17 lengths without the runner-up stopping at all uh, was enormously impressive. Um, and the bottom line is, you know, you don't need too many complicated formulas. If you're watch- watching good racing on on soft ground and you see any horse able to quicken off a strong pace from the last, always a sign of a top-class horse. Yeah, interesting. Going to be an exciting few months for for those of us with that with that ticket. Just to put a little bit of context into the respective uh, time figures of those two horses at the top end of the market. Um, if you're thinking about in anti-post, so far John Bond, he's run to a 42 and a 38. Now I know that race at Newbury was a bit joke. I think it was the race where they took an age to come into the line. Yeah, so it's yeah. always going to be a slow number, but um, yeah, that's it. The bare facts: 42 and 38. Even his first win was only a 42. Constitution Hill 72. Wow. Which already, even at this early stage of the season, is Supreme Novices Hurdle time figure. I think Appreciate It ran to a 71 when he came here last year. I think, I think in winning that grade one at Leopardstown, he ran to a 71. So this fella's beat that already on his first run. So, like I say, make no mistake that this horse is definitely, definitely Supreme Novices standard even now. God knows what he's going to do in the future. Yeah, Nicky's comments about Science. him were, were remarkable after his, weren't they? Mm. Well, he said he was the fastest thing, fastest thing he'd ever seen or something, wouldn't he? Well, just, yeah, the, the, the words he used, he, he said he's the most extraordinary horse I've seen yeah, in, exactly. in, in many a year. And given the horses who've come through his, ha- his hands in the last decade, that really is mm-hmm. um, uh, high praise. And he seems to be the kind of horse who, who sleeps the rest of the time. <laughs> he'll exactly. do a bit of work go back to his box and lie down and then you know when he needs to do it again I think that's a good sign in a, in a racehorse as well because you know 
the ones who are really busy and always on their toes, they eventually, the mileage catches up with them in the end. Very, very quick over his hurdles as well, wasn't he, Warroy? I mean, mm, particularly the last two. That, that I mean, jump at the last is unbelievable. It just, he's kind of like flicked through it and he, whew, he's away. Um, yeah, and he wasn't, he wasn't really given an opportunity to show how quick he could be at his hurdles, um, you know, before the straight because no. Nickel wanted to keep him covered up for as long as possible. So that, that kind of restricts you a little bit. But when he was given his head, he was, he was enormously impressive. Right, we better move on then. Uh, there'll be plenty of time to talk about Constitution Hill between now and next March. But we're going to look at this weekend at Cheltenham again. The 150, the Racing Post Gold Cup Handicap Chase, where Layla is the 9-2 favourite ahead of Silver Hallmark at 6-1. Dostal Phil, 7-1. Beakstown, 8-1. Farinet, 9-1. Midnight Shadow, 9-1. Cool Cody, Fusil Raffles, 10-1. Obviously, Andy, we saw a few of these take each other on recently. We heard Bar- Barry just there. Speaking positively about Midnight Shadow to repeat trick, how do you see this going? Um, well, I mean, obviously the key race is, always is, is is that race, uh, the old Paddy Power Gold Cup. Not necessarily with regards to the winner uh, going on to um, double up, but there's been plenty of horses that have been down the field and then come here and just found the new course a little bit more suitable. Um, you could certainly factor in Laylaw into that category. Uh, I think he's got a better record on the new course than he has the old. I was always worried about the old course being a little bit too sharp, a bit too tight for him because he is a quite big unit. But I think me and Rory discussed Laylor, didn't we? Um, if it if it was if it wasn't Rory, then it, um, um, me and Ed discussed it. He was the one, if you like, you'd expect to catch first time out. You know, he'd had the wind operation. It, it looked to all intents and purposes, that was the layout job. And, and if it didn't come off, then you weren't going to get a huge amount of improvement from, from him. So I'm surprised that he's favourite in many respects. Um, it, it's always odd that the, always, always the ones that are down the field in the, in the Paddy Barrels end up being favourite over the ones who um, have finished ahead of them. It just, just seems to be the nature of the beast. I actually mm. still respect Midnight Shadow. I mean, if you stop the video at the last, he, he was about what, eight lengths clear? Ten, and it was only the fact that he completely bungled it and lost all his momentum that he gave the others even half a sniff. Um, he was always well positioned. He jumped, he travelled. He looked the best horse in the race. Um, and as we say, we protect her out who chased him home, go on to win the other day at Aintree. The form yeah. is about as good as anything coming into this race. And he loves the track. He loves this track probably even better than he does the old the old course. I had worries about the old course <laughs> being ideal for him. Um, he was second in the race last year. Um, to that thing of, of uh, Mickey, Mickey Winters, Chattermill lad. Um, so I think he's co- probably the the, um, the underdog coming into this race, and I think he probably deserves a little bit more respect. I'd have to have a few quid each way on him. You know, bookmakers went five or even six daft places on Saturday. I, I, I can't not see him being in the first half dozen. Uh, and the other one to mention is Silver Hallmark as well, who I thought ran an eye-catching race first time out at Carlisle in a very good race, we know, behind um, Fiddler on the Roof. He wasn't knocked about. I think connections very much had bigger and not bigger and better things. So that was a good race in its own right. But you know, when a, like a a good pot on their radar, the way that he was handled through that race. Uh, you know, we saw Peter Piper win out of it the other day. He was only just behind him. So um, I, I think he's I think he's a very very interesting running off a mark of 145. There is going to be one flying the ointment uh, that we don't know enough about in an environment like this because he hasn't been testing a race like this I think Silver Hallmark is the one so you've got the solid one really Midnight Shadow for those that like to play the safety numbers angle but the uh, the real floater in this race is that Silver Hallmark for me 
I'm glad that you um, hold Barry's opinion in such high regard, Andy, because a lot of the listeners and viewers will think that they've have uh, just heard exactly the same thing again because your analysis of, of Midnight Shadows and Barry is very, very similar. Both of you keen on Midnight Shadow at nine to one and Silver yep. Hallmark six to one, the other one in there for you. Rory? Um, <clears throat> I don't disagree with that, what, what Andy says. Uh, the one thing I'd like to point out here is that since 2013, every winner, all, all but one winner of this has either made the running or been very close up uh, from the start. And the one year when that didn't happen was when Pearl Starkitech broke a leg between the last two fences when he had them well beaten. Yeah. Um, so no matter, however you look at this race on a, on a regular basis and you tend to see early speed and you think well this is going to be set up for a closer, it just never is. And I, I like a few hold up horses in, in this race in theory, um, but I've got to let them alone. Um, Dayran de Karshak, who was reasonably keen on in the, in the paddy par, I thought he was better than the result there. I think he'll pick up a race at some stage, but again, because he's a hold-up horse, I can't see how he's going to get involved. And I think you need to be, you know, you need to be with something that's going to be handy. Um, <clears throat> and that um, uh, that narrows it down quite a lot. And and again, it gets back to Midnight Shadow. He's going to be just off the pace. He's not going to lead, but he's going to travel well just behind the pace. And that means he's going to be a better positioned than most. As Andy says, very hard to kick him out of the five. And nine to one's a very fair price. Um, so it definitely definitely wouldn't put you off that. I'm looking to find something at a at a um a better price i have to say um and there's one i'd like to ask andy about if he has heard anything and that's mm-hmm. and i should have mentioned i should have mentioned to the to the owner when i saw him on monday uh big stones of horse i've always quite liked but he's he's never been the strongest finisher in his races i think he's um the last time i, I did speak to um to brand drew about him after he was um third here in december 2019 about what the plan was and he said um the plan was to give him a wind operation and bring him back for the for the festival. And I backed him anti-post for that race at a, at a biggish price. And he ran well, finishing fifth, but he didn't get up the hill. Um, and I've always thought he's a horse who will win a decent race when conditions are in his favour. He probably needs good ground, and therefore the, the the rain is a worry. If the rain arrives, it probably counts against him. And I think he's probably a horse for later on. But I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be entirely surprised if this hadn't been a long-term aim, and I'd, I wouldn't want to miss him entirely. Um, but I'm going to end up going with um, with a horse who um, disappointed him this last year. He's ridden against type. Sipage at the top there. Now, from a handicapping point of view, it's not easy to to um, to fancy him. And you look at last year's race, he pulled up, having been well fancied. But last year, there was loads of pace. Um, and um, he he sat just off it, which which doesn't suit him. He's a horse who needs to have a bit of space at his fences, not because he's a bad jumper, because he's a very quick jumper. And he needs to be able to use um, that speed through the air and his ability to get away quickly from his fences to put other horses in trouble. Whereas last year he was stuck among a, a bunch of horses, um, actually made a couple of niggly errors as a result and was beaten very early in the race. He showed that form to be wrong when he won well at um, uh, at Chepstow on his next start. And then again, he, w- he went for what I think is the wrong race for him at the festival. He went for the Ultima for the second consecutive year. He was a blatant non-stayer um, in 2020. And this time... He was nursed to him by, by Charlie George and ran on to be to be fourth. But I'm still not convinced that he truly stays beyond three miles. I think this trip um, at Cheltenham suits him ideally. He's a course and distance winner um, in the past at the, at the January meeting. He was also second to Frodon in this race a couple of years ago when he was 15 lengths clear of the third in a very competitive race. Uh, and that just shows you how good he is around here. You do, you're taking a little bit of a chance that he's more exposed than some of these and He's still he's rated one five seven now. That's a stone higher than when he was second in it to Frodon. 
And I wouldn't say he's brilliantly handicapped, but I think as long as they get him near the front, allow him to use his jumping, um, then I think, uh, you know, Sepage and a rhythm is a hard horse to kick out of it. And Venetia comes here with the horses in really good form as well. So I've already gone with, with one of hers in an earlier race. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I've, I've banged the drum for Sepage over the last uh, year or two. I think he's an absolutely fantastic jumper of offence uh, when he's allowed to use that. And um, they just got the tactics wrong last year in, in, in taking that uh, positivity away. So um, if he's if he's ridden positively this time, then I think he can go very well at, a, at what should be a biggish prize. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see him as being, you know, 16 to 1 minimum. I think he's not going to be a horse who appeals to an awful lot of people because he's not obviously well treated. Um, but as I said, this is this is his ideal test. And despite top weight, I can see him going well. Sepage, 16 to 1 best price as it is. But Rory, as Rory says, maybe not one to jump to back because could ease out on the day. Although Rory said might not be attractive to most. But I think you just made Sepage a whole lot more attractive to those uh, watching and listening to this. Um, Andy, do you have anything before we move on um, on Beakstown for, for Rory? Yeah, yeah, just a, a little bit of a, of a nod towards his chances. Um, I haven't actually spoke to um, <clears throat> the guy I normally chat to um, with regards to him specifically for Saturday. Never really got round um, to that in conversation. But what I can tell you that is when he had, I think, four or five runners at Aintree on the day that this fella finished third, he said that that was his best chance of the whole lot. So that indicated to me that he would have been fairly straight. Um, obviously, they, you know, horses like that have been off the track for such a while. They're likely to improve just for being out on the track and you know from that initial experience. But... Um, there wouldn't have been a huge amount to work with. I think I think Dan's very much of the trainer that he doesn't like when a horse you know come off the back of an injury. He doesn't like to have him not totally fully cooked because he, he probably could do more damage. I think that's what I've um, read between the lines, having spoken to um, you know connections from that stable. So yeah, he, he's definitely got a chance off ten one because he's run well at the track before, as always already pointed out. Um, and it, it, you know you wouldn't um, you wouldn't say he couldn't win, but whether there's an absolute massive amount of improvement there to come out, I, I wouldn't be totally sure. And this may not, Cheltenham may not be his ideal track. Obviously, you know, it's no. nice to have get a winner here. And I think and Brian Drew's won the race before with Warthog. Um, I suspect he might well, you know, come up short here, but drop again on the weights and then pop up somewhere on good ground, possibly in the spring. So he's just a horse to keep in, you know, but he must have good ground and he, you know, he doesn't want a really testing finish, but um, he's too well handicapped to ignore. There's, I think there's a valuable race at Newbury, isn't it? Pre- Cheltenham, I think it's a race that Old Grangewood um, yes. has, has either won or run well in before because he, he wanted good ground. That, that's the kind of race and track that I think will suit Beakstown further down the line. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, he's also entered, interestingly, at, um, um, at Wincanton during the week in a, uh, in a novice's limited handicap chase over two and a half miles, which may see him in quick grind, but obviously he's declared here, so they're liable to run unless the grind turns soft. Okay, on then to the 2.25, the Albert Bartlett Novices Hurdle. And it will come to you first here. And Blazing Carl is the 11 to 8 favourite, then of Jolino Bello at 7 to 4. Barony Legend, 6 to 1. Current Mood, 6 to 1. Uh, Bally Griffin Cottage is 25 to 1. And Lufterg Rocco, 25 to 1. Two. Six run, Andy, and these two at the top end of the market, sure to be popular. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd expect this to go to form, really. Um... Really, really taken with um, Blazing Car when, when he won it at the last meeting. Um, I was actually standing directly halfway up the running at Cheltenham when this 
race um, was developing last time out, Blazing Carl, um, Gillian Obella, and Blazing Carl just, just left the Nicholsalls for dead. Um, he really did power up the line. It was only really when you saw them in their true paces at the end, just to get an impression of, of how quick he was going. He's the right unit as well. I mean, when he, when he came in and I, I watched him come down the walk, he you know, filled the eye and cover the ground. He was a much bigger unit than Galeno Bell. I just think he was a better horse, stronger horse. Um, and I think he'll beat him again, unless something crazy goes on from a tactical perspective. But if they arrive there, having not burnt out too much energy and everything goes smoothly up to the point whereby they're, you know, they're, they're, they're swinging down from two out to the last, I'd expect that long run from the second last to the last, really suiting Charles Burns' horse. Because um, he looks, to all intents and purposes, at the ideal type for the Albert Bartlett, dare I say, further down the line. But um, I think, I think if you, you know, you're just strictly looking on A beating B, A beating B again, 11 of 8 plays 7 of 4. I mean, there's an argument to suggest he, he should really be odds on to beat uh, Gilino Bella. Barony Legends. We don't know how good he is because he, he just sauntered to victory at, at Lingfield last time out and he didn't have to beat anything without coming off the bridle. But this will be a, a much different test altogether. So I'm going to keep this one simple and uh, leave it with Blazing Carl. I think he's a he's a, he's pretty smart. Simple as that for Andy. Uh, Rory, do you see it the same way? Roughly, although I do have a, I, I, I certainly have um, Blazing Carl over Giuliano Bello um, in general terms. Also in terms of there's the question of stamina with a few of these stepping up to three miles, um, including Blazing Carl, who's, you know, who'd run over two mile three before winning over two mile five here on the on the old course. Three miles in the new course is a considerably stiffer test of stamina. So it's always a little, it's always something to throw in there. But to be honest, you watch a replay of that race. And if you had to guess which one of them needed a step up to three miles, you'd say the winner you hmm. know, on, on the visual evidence you saw there. Um, whereas I don't, Gilino Bello looks like a horse with more gears than that, as in, you know, he'd be capable of, of um, of doing well over two and a half miles. Um, my only concern with Blazing Cal is he um, he is a big horse, as Andy says. I thought he was feeling the ground a little bit late in the day there. He hung from before the last hurdle as if the ground was just lively enough for him. All his previous efforts have been in heavy. So if the rain doesn't come, and there's meant to be rain coming tonight to some degree, but if the going was good on the day, that would concern me. I'd be inclined to leave it alone. If it, if it rains, then I'd be, you know, I'd find it very, very hard to look away from him. Um, and I, I, I think Barney Legends might be the might be the danger there. With Ollie Murphy in such good form, he is very much bred to stay three miles. He looks like three miles won't be a, won't be a problem to him, both on pedigree and um, and the way he's shaped on his um, uh, on his hurdles. By now that was on heavy ground, uh, and you're always this is like question mark about how well he will cope with different conditions, but. Um, no, no way of telling how good he was <laughs> from that run. Um, he won at hard hells. I don't think Timeform have given him any extra credit for the way he won that, which is interesting. Um, so he might be the danger on the day. But yeah, as as Andy says, you just watch, watch a replay of the, of the race here last month where Blazing Cal beat um, uh, beat Gilino Bello and Current Mood, and it's it's very hard to make an argument for either of them to turn the tables, even though the you know he's worse off at the weights. I think he's. He won't mind carrying a penalty. The weight won't bother him at all, will it? Um, given his his size and his scope, and there's a lot more to come from him as well. So he's um, he's a hard horse to be against. The only, as I said, the only thing that would put me off at all if the ground came up genuinely good, I'd probably sit the race out. But as long as there's enough ease in the ground, um, then he should be he should be better class than this. 
Should be better blazing card there, a double nod from the guys. Uh, on to the international, the Unibet International Hurdle, the grade two and song for someone is the nine to two, sorry, nine to four favourite over So Royale at three to one. Guard your dreams eleven to two. Bally Adams six to one. 14 to 1, uh, heaven help us. Wild about Oscar and Hunter's call, both 16 to 1. Rory, we'll stay with you here. Seven run in the international. Disappointing race, isn't it? It's, it's mm. an interesting race, and there's not a huge amount between them um, on recent form, but for a, for a race um, with the heritage that this race has, it's a, it's a rather disappointing turnout. Um, I've got slight concerns with the front two in the markets. Um, I like Song for someone. I liked him in this race last year, but I think he was very well suited by the fact that it turned into a test of stamina, um, given they missed out the well, they missed out four of the hurdles in the race. So they only jumped five. That makes it more of a test of stamina, in my view. Um, uh, if if you're a, if you're a sound jumper like So Royal is, you don't want a long drag to the line, um, and I think that kind of against him. He travelled best in the race that day, but Song for someone saw it out a little bit better because he stays a little further, and he ran perfectly well against um, uh, Buzz last time out. Although interestingly. Um, he's been dropped three pounds by the handicapper since that. <laughs> um, so that's a, a slightly odd one. I think essentially the handicapper's taken the view just to just to start afresh this season and and, and race him on. He knows he's not going to be running in a handicap, or he thinks he isn't. Um, so basically, start rating him on that because he was disappointing twice in the spring and it was hard to get a handle on him. Um, he's I think the likeliest winner on paper song for someone, but Tom Simons has had two winners all season, yeah. and again, you know. <laughs> It's hard to back horses at short prices from stables that are that are struggling for winners. Um, and, you know, no, no offence to, to Tom. He's a, he's a perfectly good trainer and this horse ran well enough for him first time out. But you you if you're backing horses at short odds, you want to have everything in your favour. And that's just a little bit off putting. Um, I know he was behind um, Song for Someone last time out, but I thought Guard Your Dreams ran the race of his life at Ascot. Um, he's also shown that he's very well suited to Cheltenham by winning um, on quickish ground here at the... Um, at the showcase meeting, um, he's progressing all the time. He was ahead of, well ahead of um, Bally Adam in the in the Grade One Mersey uh, Novices Hurdle in April. I think he'll improve again, and I think Guide Your Dreams. You know, I wouldn't have thought at this stage he would have been good enough to win a race of this nature, but I think this is cut up a little bit. And uh, again, my issue with Soul Royal is he's had three runs already this season. He's not the most robust of horses historically. He normally gets a break after after um, running two or three times in the autumn. And Alan King unusually is going to the well for a fourth time here. And I think that might be one run too many for him. So I end up with um, with Guard Your Dreams, the horse who's almost certain to give his running and might be able to improve past a couple here. So he's the value bet for me. Guard Your Dreams currently 11 to 2 best price as it stands. Andy? Yeah, we, we've taken this race six to um, come to the same conclusion uh, with, with Guard Your Dreams. Um, I actually put this also, but if you remember the other week to to chase on Buzz, and if it wasn't for that uh, pesky um, song for someone, um, <laughs> those pesky kids, then um, he, he would have done so. Um, similar to Rory, I, I, I just think think he was probably suited to the way that race panned out um, on that occasion. But I think going back to Cheltenham, probably one of his happy hunting grounds, um, he, he might just be able to turn around the form. Um, not, you know, you can say that with a huge amount of confidence, but at the prices, I think he's certainly worth another go, 11 to 2, and whereas someone's only, only 9 to 4, and as Rory's pointed out, Tom Simmons has had a quite a year for him, and come come this race last year, I think Tom Simmons was totally the opposite, wasn't he, Rory? I think he was banging in winners left, right and centre, so he had a, he had a healthy yard, Yeah. Um, whereas this time around, it's a little bit, winners are a little bit more difficult to come by. 
Um, but yeah, that victory over Cool Cody and um, the other horse that subsequently won, um, was it Captain Morgs? Uh, couldn't have worked out any better. Um, and he, his sectionals are really good that day uh, from sort of three out to the line. So he's got a bit of tactical. I think the, the, the nature of the two mile one course on the old course, sorry, the new course, I beg your pardon, that long run from two out to the line will really suit Guard Your Dreams because he takes a while just to wind up, but similar to go on Gower Road. Who needs a, a, a test? Uh, so, yeah, 11-2 for God Your Dream. Shame there's not the eight runners, um, which is always likely going to be the case, wasn't it? Putmakers were right, mm. I think. They were betting two places in the league, and they've, they've got it right again. But, uh, yeah, he, he'll do for me as well, God Your Dream. God Your Dreams there, double selection for the two guides in the international. We'll just cover, the, cover off the last race now, the Mayor's Handicap Hurdle at Cheltenham before quickly touching on a couple of races over at Donny on Saturday. Andy, we'll start with you here, where Trapista is the 7-2 favourite ahead of Martello Sky at 11-2. Indefatigable 6-1, Winhouse 7-1, Her Indoors 15-2, 12-1 bar, 10 runners. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably have a little bit of a stab here at... Um... At Wynn House, um, I'm, I'm not totally convinced by that Huntingdon race that Trapista uh, won. It was a, it was an okay time figure, but I haven't got enough evidence to know how good she can quite, quite be. And I think the second and third out of that Huntingdon race have both got absolutely battered since. So she's one of those sexy ones, which I think bookmakers will be licking their lips with. Last race on the TV, short one, owned by JP, John Joe, all this, you know, the sort of sexiness of it attached to it, but. I don't think she's done enough to, to warrant her position quite so short in the market. So, yeah, getting back to Winhouse, she ran OK here here last year, but I don't think she'd fully developed, whereas the King Horse is now already um, hit firing on all cylinders. A victory over uh, Hotton and Hill at Wing Canton the other day was, um, you know, a suggestion that she was definitely going in the right direction. Uh, her numbers are, are quite good and... As I said, the yard are flying. So I'd, I'd sooner go with something like Winhouse each way than I would take a punt with Trapeza. But it's a wide open race. I haven't really got a real gut instinct feeling for this. I've got to put mm. something up, and that would be the one I'd go with. But um, if I've had a bad day, then I'll probably be leaving at Cheltenham pre the uh, 3.35 and um, get, in, <laughs> get, in, get in a bit of a jump on the traffic, I think. Uh, Winhouse, 7-1 to one for Andy. Um, yeah, Rory? I got a, a similar feeling about the race. Trapista obviously has, has got a very nice looking uh, profile, having won two from two over hurdles. But this is a very, very different test um, than what she's had so far. Um, she's she's raced twice on, on flat tracks against lesser opposition. Um, she, you can't rule her out at all, obviously, because she could be, you know, she could be anything. But when you say a horse could be anything, most of the time they tend to be not quite as good as um, some people will back them to be and bookmakers tend to be very careful with horses who could be anything and put them in as short as they can so it's hard to find value with horses like trapista and she's put in his favorite at the moment but she's she's a hard one to wear she might be a superstar you never really know but so every night again you get you get one with a profile like this like epitont a couple of years ago we you know i, I would have been dead against it uh, um when she started her second season but um proved to be a, a different kettle of fish altogether so i can't back a horse with her profile um, but I've no idea how good she is. But the chances are that there's there's better value elsewhere. Um, Andy's hitting a perfectly reasonable one. Windhouse was she stayed the three miles well enough when she was when she was beaten here last season. It was a funny old race that. Um, but as as Andy said, the the way she won at Wincanton uh, last time out was was clearly an improvement, a career best effort. Um, and she's she's going the right way. I thought it might be worth chanting indefatigable 
but it's a tricky one because she almost refused to race at Newbury last time out. <laughs> um, she won, and I was very keen on her when she won at Weatherby on the basis that I, I thought that might not be a test of stamina at the trip, and that's how it panned out. And it was her speed that won her the race, the, the, the West Yorkshire Hurdle. Um, so, so I'd rather have her at this trip. She's, of course, a Cheltenham Festival winner over this course and distance. Um, she's been a very solid mare over the over the years. And, and one, a mark of 145 is not particularly harsh on, on what she's done. The, it's just the worry that um, she nearly planted herself at the start when well beaten in the um, in the long distance hurdle at Newbury. But because, you know, she's an eight year old, she's never done anything like that before. I'm inclined to think it must have been a one off. So I forgive her for that. And she did have every chance otherwise. Um, again, you know, you wouldn't back her to short price again. Paul Weber is a trainer who's not, you know, he's never, never the kind of trainer to, to be firing in winners left, right and centre. He's a, he's a low percentage trainer these days, but he's not flying. But I think you're probably getting a bigger price about her because of that blip on her card. Whereas mm-hmm. taking her form overall, she's she's got a, um, a better chance than most here. And you might just find a little bit of value. But as with Andy, um, it, this wouldn't be my ideal getting out stakes. Okay, we'll move over to Doncaster then and uh, the December novice chase. Just three runners here, uh, but no shortage of quality with uh, the exciting three under through five, four to six. Fantastic ass, three to one. Emma Tom, six to one as it stands at the moment, but one firm goes um, 100 to 30 there. So that's six is a standout as it stands at the moment. Uh, Andy, can you make any sense of this as a betting heat or just uh, a decent race to, to watch for, for us fans? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, it is a decent race um, to, to watch how it develops. I think, I think the betting is absolutely bang on. That's exactly how I'd have it. Uh, I think Emmy Tom's probably got the most to pr- uh, prove. Um, he jumped all right at Hexham, but he, he's still a little bit hesitant in there and everywhere. Um, so I, I'd sooner be um, a value hunter with regard to Fantastic Ass if I thought the favourite was vulnerable. Because I do like Nigel Twist and Davis's horse. Always have done and... He did absolutely nothing wrong when he won at Lingford. I think he was spectacular with his jumping um, and looked fully in control. But this is a big step up against three under through five, who even right this very moment in time looks a, a national chase horse, doesn't he? I think the further he goes, the better he'll be. Um, his jumping has been fairly solid. You know, the ground's I'd say important to him, but I think he's I think, I think he's a horse who doesn't want extremes um, and good good to soft you know ground. He's absolutely bang on for him. So in in a small field where. Um, you need a little bit of um, tactical acumen. He, he, he's he's got pretty much everything you look for. But yeah, I couldn't advise you to back him at four to six. That's not my style. Not Rory's either. So I think we've got a similar kind of my Drogo uh, situation here. Is, it, is, is a, that the double? Yeah. It's a, well, yeah. It's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a dead rubber. But I mean, yeah. For those that like to play novice chasers at short prices, then um, that looks um, a fairly a fairly healthy uh, ha- healthy angle to approach. Rory, any anything to to add? No, if you force me to have a bet in the in the race, I would take a chance on Emmaton because he does have the um, he he has the fundamental class to be able to win a race like this. He he does have most to prove, as Andy says. Um, he's been largely disappointing um since switch defences, but actually you've only really got to forgive uh, one moderate run. He was he was only just touched off on his chase debut, and he jumped he jumped pretty well that day. Um, and then he was last of three at Foss last, but that was behind if the cap fits and um, uh, the Labrooks Trophy runner-up. Um, so it's not, you know, that's pretty, um, it's pretty good form in front of him. So he was then switched back to hurdles. That never really works halfway through a season. So he disappointed twice over hurdles last year. And then the, I guess the idea was to, to get a confidence booster um, into him at, at Hexham, and that didn't work out, which which that raises questions about him. But 
Warren Greatrex has always thought an awful lot of Emmaton. It's just a case of being able to channel it. Um, he was an, a pretty awful jumper. He could really miss a hurdle out entirely. I know Warren sent him to Henrietta Knight for schooling, and she said, without doubt, he was the worst jumper she has ever seen. Really? <laughs> which is uh, which is a fair old call. Um, they don't send they don't send them to Hen Knight when they can jump well. Um, so yeah, he had an awful lot to learn, and he's been a very slow learner. He's actually he, he's he doesn't jump fences the way he jumps his hurdles. Um, and there is still a chance at the age of seven that things will click with him. As Andy says, you wouldn't you you couldn't back him at a short price in a bad race, but you'd rather back him at a big price in a good race, knowing that you know class wise he's got a chance. Um, I'll just say I thought what might be beneficial to him somewhere down the line is headgear because of his jumping. I think it would give him confidence in his mm. jumping. And we tend to think of putting blinkers on a horse as a sort of, you know, uh, um, uh, the coward's badge. But actually, a lot of horses need the confidence that blinkers give them. And I think that Emma Tom would benefit from that. If I run into Warren Greatrex, I'll be happy to tell him that. He might not Let like him know. It, <laughs> he's, he's a decent enough He won't punch me in the face for it. That's the, uh, Who would? the, the positive. That's the next question. We won't go there. We won't go there. Which, which trainers would punch you in the face? That would be one for another podcast. We'll talk He's about that one. Nice man, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Let's the final race we're going to preview on the Odds Checker Betting Show this week is the 240 at Doncaster, the uh, Bet365 Summit Juvenile Hurdle, the Grade Two, where Porticello is the two to one favourite ahead of uh, Magistrato at nine to two. Uh, kit, uh, sorry, Knight Salute five to one, two friendly seven to one, impulsive one eight to one, twelve to one, Sacripierre Khaleesi twenty eight to one, New Reality one hundred to one. Uh, a proper one for odds checker this race with the prices all over the place. With uh, Porticello two to one favourite, thirteen to eight in places. Magistrato nine to two best price, as short as eleven to four elsewhere. And who's got it right? Oh dear me. Um... Yeah, I've been so underwhelmed with these um, juveniles so far. Um, I, I, I haven't got a, a real strong angle in here. Um, mm. it's, it's a perfect betting race, really. Eight runners, decent ground. The form's there for all to see, but none of them have done a time figure that's even remotely get me any kind of any any excited in any way. Even looking at their sort of splits and their sectionals in their races, they're all m- miles below the, the handicappers and the, and the novice hurdlers normally. Like I said, boy, now I've got at least a couple of juveniles and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, at least he's all right. Thank God for that. Um, yeah, it's a it's a real, real odd race. Porticello was workman-like at Weatherby. He wandered around and I think he's up to any amount of improvement. But what he did on the clock, seven to four, you must be absolutely balmy to think that's a seven to four shot. Mm. Not absolutely the obvious one because he's, he's, he's done precious little wrong. But like I said in an earlier preview, I don't think the Cheltenham form is that special but it might be good enough to win a race like this because i think that the, the the cheltenham race with the, the skeleton horse could be a bit, a bit better one uh impulsive one will go off in front he's got the you know he's got the kind of um profile to suggest he, he you know he, he could go well around this track too friendly was a slow time last time out so yeah I'm absolutely completely and utterly clueless when it comes to this because i just i just don't think any of them are any good um, but if forced to put a bet out here and now at the prices, I think on balance, I think the five to one for Knights alone probably represents the best value because at least um, he's showing tenacity off the bridle and a, a decent turn of foot as well. So I'd probably go with him, but it's a, it's a bad race. Tentative. Let's say five to one. Knight salute. Rory. None of these will be winning the triumph. Put it that way. No. Ooh. 
I, I agree with Nice Salute um, in that he's just a bigger price than he should be because, he, you know, he's, he's beaten both Impulsive One and Magistrato. And you can make excuses for those two and, and why they might be able to turn the tables. And obviously he's, he's conceding a penalty now. But the bottom line is that he's winning races that they're not. And you've got to give credit to horses who are winning. Um, and he stayed on really well after the last at, at Cheltenham last time out to suggest that he's a straightforward horse. He will take his chances when they're given. So five to one seems a little bit big. But on the basis that all much of a muchness and the fact that would you say this is a weaker, weaker race than the Cheltenham one, Andy? Or is it, um, the, are they both... They're both weak, but my, my point was with the scales of Dan Skelnos, I think he could be way above what we've already seen. Um, yeah. You're looking for something to come through because you think, well, I, I know where we are with the others, and but there isn't that kind of horse in this one. So I think you're probably going to no. mention Khaleesi. <laughs> well, I thought the, it's interesting that David Piper's got two virtually identical horses in each of those races. He's got Titian at, um, uh, at Cheltenham making his debut, and he's about an 11 to 2 chance, I think. Um, when they first and second last time out, those two. Yes. Which, which, which one are you after? Uh, uh, sorry, the Cheltenham race. Uh, Titian's quite a short oh, yeah. price. Yeah. Titian was 11s, I think. Okay, well, whereas Khaleesi, who was second to Titian and was rated mm. you know, off a mark of 84, they're both trained by William Haggis, both bought for the same connections and both um, running in, in graded races on the same day at different tracks for the hurdles debuts. Well, Khaleesi's, Khaleesi's 20s and bigger for this, isn't he? Case yeah, is twenty-eight to one. Yeah, listen, that's that's a you know, on the basis that we don't know how good he is, and you know, Titian is much shorter. When I know Titian costs more money, and he actually beat Khaleesi, but there wasn't much between them, um, all told on the flat. Um, both coming from the same stable, as I said. So if, you know, if Khaleesi takes the hurdles, given he was an, eight, an you know an eighty-five horse on the flat, um, he sure, he certainly should be competitive here, and there's reasons to be against a few of these. So I thought at 28 to 1, he might be worth um, worth a flyer up for, for, for small stakes. Um, you, you're, taking a, you're taking a chance, and he wore blinkers for that run at, at Doncaster, whereas David Pipe's not going with the headgear first time. But, um, you know, I, I've heard nothing negative about him. Um, so, uh, you know, he, you, you see worse horses at that price in, in a race of this nature. Um, so I wouldn't put you off him. But, you know, based on the form... I'd have to agree with Andy and say that um, that um, Milton Harris's nice salute is the um, uh, is a horse who should be a little bit shorter than he is. Khaleesi there, twenty eight to one best price, and Knight salute five to one. Thank you so much to both Rory and to Andy for giving us their thoughts on the day's racing at Cheltenham and a couple over at Doncaster as well. Uh, please do ensure you download the Odds Checker app for the best prices. Uh, place terms, bookie offers, free bets and Andy's tips amongst others straight to the app every morning ahead of racing. Thank you very much to 888 Sport for sponsoring the show and to 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. Hopefully some more 40 to 1 antipost tips coming from Barry from the Nicky Henderson stable in the next couple of weeks. Please ensure uh, you do gamble responsibly. Please ensure you do enjoy the weekend's racing.